for Captain Kirk. Fascinating. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw it. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, Mugatu, and chickens and things Ooh. to episode 42 of the Up the Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And German, what are those? Those are The Muppets and Star Trek, and we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and the Star Trek original series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest Judy Collins in the original series episode, Obsession. Obsession. But German, before we get to that, do we have any feedback this week? We sure do. Uh, first, I want to mention that Steve uh, recently guest starred on the Cosmic Pizza podcast. Tell us about that, Steve. Oh, man, it was great. I got to talk about the Muppets and talk about our show and give a brief history of Jim Henson Productions and talk about their favorite Muppets and the future and how it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of that episode, it gets it gets kind of bleak. So be ready for yeah, that. Just folks. a little. <laughs> just a little. Not in like a terrible way. No, no, no. Yeah, there's other positive things. Not like things. apocalyptic, but. But yeah, listeners, if you haven't listened to the Cosmic Pizza Podcast yet, check it out. Cosmic Pizza Podcast with our friends uh, uh, Sean, Paul, and uh, Daniel Peter Hitch. It's a good show. That's right. And then I'm on another podcast that came out today, the day we are recording, the Ooh. Temporal Trek Podcast, First Contact Part 2, uh, which is a crazy long – we talked about this thing forever, but I'm willing to say it's one of the best podcast discussions about First Contact that has ever been had. Now, did Part 1 of that episode already come out? It did. It came out Monday or Tuesday uh, because I was late or they started early or time mix up, whatever. Uh, so I was not there for the first like hour. Oh. And then I showed up. And so part two is when I just showed up. <laughs> and that's a fun podcast as well. The Temporal Trek podcast. And if you like Star Trek, like you like our show, then you should check out that episode as well. So do that's it, folks. Right. And uh, our other piece of feedback is this is a strange little fun thing that happened on Twitter. Um, Our last episode, I believe, would be uh, Nureyev, who was the ballet dancer. um, Yeah, Rudolf Nureyev, yeah. Who was on Rudolf Nureyev, who was on The Muppet Show. And we reviewed that episode and posted about it on Twitter. And I think this place had just a search for anyone mentioning the name Nureyev. um, But it's still kind of cool they tweeted us, which was the Paris Institute for Critical Thinking. Uh, just tweeted us an article that they posted about a Nureyev uh, orchestrated production of a ballet that is going up at the Opera Bastille in Paris by the Paris Opera Ballet. And it was instead performed on video, much to the chagrin of people who love ballet in Paris. Uh, But because of the pandemic, they can't do shows that are live. Um, But yeah, I'm guessing they just like were searching for anybody mentioning the name Nureyev and like Oh, we mentioned that name. Tweeting them at tweeting that at us, but it was just really funny to have the the Paris place tweeting. You're in Bastille, Paris (laughs) and want to check this out. You can't because it's video only. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, Nureyev apparently made this old, old production of this ballet. He did his own version of it back when he was alive. And they are redoing that um, version of his ballet at the uh, the Bastille upper bastille in paris so yeah it was interesting and and so what i'm hearing is we have fans in france now of course i hope we do (laughs) (laughs) we 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 we, so uh please uh steve tell us about the guest star this week which is judy collins judy collins man a musician with more than 60 years in the business she's known for sort of her eclectic taste and folk 
leanings. She's a five-time Grammy nominee and one-time Grammy award winner for Best Folk Performer. And her cover of Sondheim's Send in the Clowns, which is featured at the end of this episode, uh, made it huge just a few years before this this appearance. Mm, Gotcha. Uh, But what does our audience know her from? I grew up with her. My mom loved Judy Collins music, so I was very aware of who she was. But most people in our generation probably aren't super aware. Right. Uh, maybe this episode of The Muppet Show is what you know her from. <laughs> maybe. Now, now you will. Backstage this week, the entire backstage plot centers around the fact that Scooter's uncle, J.P. Grossman, uh, announces that he's going to tear the theater down and Kermit tries to get Scooter to talk him out of it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the, the whole thing. On stage, Kermit introduces Judy Collins with a folk song, Leather Wing Bat. It's a cute number with some animal appearances. Up next, we get Pigs in Space, with Piggy, where Piggy's the only one who can perform a special maneuver. But then Link oversteps his bounds and hits the wrong button, and Chauvinism lives to see another day on Pigs in Space. <laughs> uh, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly being performed by Judy Collins with some cool shadow puppet work done. That's very amusing, uh, as the old lady eats bigger and bigger animals. Mm-hmm. Even Stalin Walder forget it on it. <laughs> Following this is Link Hogthrob singing I Talk to the Trees, and similar to Wayne and Wanda from season one, it doesn't get too far before the trees shut it down. <laughs> Afterwards, Rolf is joined by Judy. They commiserate about playing warm-ups on the piano and then perform and sing Do Re Mi. The next act is the Swedish chef in the kitchen who's making a simple salad, throws a head of lettuce in the air, shoots it with a gun, throws a cabbage in the air, bam, you get Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Swedish chef. I think it's Judy's final number sent in the clowns with human sized acrobatic clowns on a black background as she performs in the foreground. It's okay. And then stares into the camera at the end really creepily. Mm. <laughs> it was really weird. Kermit thanks Judy Collins. JP Gross decides it'll be cheaper to just let the theater fall down on its own. And this is what we call the Muppet Show. <laughs> yes, we do. German, what did you think of this week's episode of the Muppet Show and special guest Judy Collins? Uh First of all, I, I happen to like a very strange niche of music, which is like you probably be called like Renaissance Fair music. And it usually yeah, has singers, absolutely. singers who sound a lot like Judy Collins. And so I hadn't I didn't I'd heard her version of Sending the Clowns before because it's been on the radio and my mom probably played it as well. Um, but I liked her voice initially. But then throughout the episode, not only is she not a good actress and not very charismatic and not very good at interacting with the Muppets, but she's really pitchy and off key a lot. <laughs> so that was kind of yeah. weird. And that's okay for a folk singer. I was talking to my girlfriend about this. We watched it because like we're both we both sing. But it was just like, I guess folk singing, they kind of are more forgiving with that kind of uh, vocal problems. It's, it's stylized. Yeah, it's a stylized folksy kind of thing, you know, but it was distracting for me. Um but yeah, and she seemed kind of uncomfortable around the Muppets, which is, you know, we, as we talked about before, is generally a problem, which is weird. Because I saw on a website that she's later on or before this even was on Sesame Street multiple times. Oh, she, yeah. She's she was a big fan of the Muppets. Absolutely. Yeah. So she not likes her, the Muppets, but she just isn't necessarily very natural around them. Maybe she just didn't get it. Yeah. Um, I like that we finally saw uh, Scooter's uncle that we've talked about for so long. We finally get to we, see we've him. We've maybe seen him before. Maybe. I don't think so. I, I was really surprised and like, oh, this is cool. And I. Found out his name, J.P. Gross. Like, that's pretty yeah, funny. Okay. Yeah. So it might be the first time. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I like that Sam the Eagle got still bond with um, Statler and Waldorf. We never had that before. That was kind of neat. You think that they're they're like the old guy and then the basically personification of a white guy. Yeah. We get along. <laughs> a conservative Republican, basically. <laughs> Sam the Eagle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I actually laughed out loud when Hogthrob was doing the thing in the trees and suddenly gets cut off. Like I just wasn't <laughs> expecting it. Um, 
so I'd say there's a lot of great Muppet moments in this episode. Um, not, Ooh. but then the the host, not so much. I was not feeling. I like her singing. I think she's interesting and a good singer, but for her for her genre, but she just wasn't a good fit for the Muppet Show, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like I, you know. I would have liked to see her stretch a little bit more. We didn't get to see anything other than what we expected from her. Right. Like her, she sang three folk songs. And As her you big expect. Hit. Yeah. You know, have her sing a rock song or do a folk version of something that isn't normally folk or something, you know, give her stretch a little Judy. Come on. Uh, yeah. Cause most, most guests do, they stretch and do something that's not outside their comfort zone. Mind that's- you, sometimes guests just come on and they do them like Elton John's a perfect example of that. So just what came on and did Elton John. He's just Elton John, though, so it's more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, sure. The glasses are bigger. I think that's the yeah, yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> um, but no, I agree. She was a little bit awkward at times, um, but I thought she really did well in Leatherwing Bat. That was interacted cute. with those characters well. It was sad that she didn't get to interact for her other two numbers. Old Little Old Lady, where she wasn't looking at anyone. Right. And then Send in the Clowns, where literally for that performance, she was just in front of a black background. Yeah, it was just not, not a lot of interaction going on. Yeah. Maybe she was just, they could tell she was uncomfortable, so they just kind of put her by herself or something. So so if anything, I wanted more, and I would plant this somewhere as a middling episode. I would, too, and I think it would actually be more towards the bottom for me if it weren't for all those great Muppet moments that I really enjoyed, actually. In between, um, that's that, right. That surprised me, and I was like, I laughed a lot, and I even laughed at the um, the Brussels sprouts coming down, <laughs> Swedish chef scene. Like, <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. I was like, I don't laugh out loud too much watching this, and that it did a couple times this episode, so... I'll give it that, like a middle episode, yeah. Okay, that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. Music this week, though, was on point. Mm-hmm. Leathering Bat, traditional folk song, first recorded by Burl Ives in 1941. Burl Ives is better known to most of us as the narrator from that claymation Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer we all grew up with. <laughs> or Cat in uh, Hot Tin Roof, he plays a really angry, scary guy. He does. <laughs> uh, there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. This version that we know now was written by uh, someone named Rose Bonnie in 1951 and also recorded by Burl Ives in 1953. <laughs> Go figure. I talked to the trees from the musical Paint Your Wagon by Lerner and Lowe. The better known song from this show is They Call the Wind Mariah. Mariah, Mariah. That's a good song. Do Re Me by Rodgers and Hammerstein. And from The Sound of Music, this was rewritten by Heaven's Gate cult members what? to teach new people the tenets of their faith or obsession. I don't know what to call it otherwise. Wow. That's scary. Send in the clowns from a little night music by Sondheim. He wrote it during the rehearsals for the show when he heard the actress that had been cast and realized that she just could not sing what he had written. (laughs) And so he had to write all these short phrases in a very limited range to accommodate this actress that had been cast. Perfect for this folk singer who doesn't have the strongest voice. (laughs) That's right. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) That's really funny. Jeremy, what was your favorite Muppeteering moment this week? Uh, this is why I didn't mention it in my discussion of the episode, because my favorite moment was the Shadow Puppet performance in I Know an Old Lady. Um, I really I also gave it to Shadow Puppet. Did you? Yes. Yeah, because it was just so simple and and straightforward, but just really well done. And somehow that little tiny Shadow Puppet performance was really entertaining and fun to watch. And Oh, yeah, was, it was super engaging. Yeah. And the little animals that change each time and go inside, like, and she got her stomach gets bigger. And it's like, I'm, I, <laughs> perhaps I'll die. Yeah. It was just super cute and super well done. So, yeah, I really oh, like yeah. that. Absolutely. Shout out Puppet wins this week. That's funny that we both picked that. So, Jaron, what happened on this week's episode of Star Trek? Obsession. 
for Star Obsession. Trek. <laughs> so uh, we have the crew of the Enterprise finding a rare mineral on a random planet that they don't really say the name of this time that is stronger than diamond, apparently 24.4 times stronger than diamond. But the landing party is attacked by some gaseous form that drains their bodies of hemoglobin for some reason. Uh, Kirk is suddenly spooked because this attack reminds him of one that's too similar to what happened to him in his crew when he was aboard the USS Farragut back in the day. So the Enterprise is supposed to rendezvous with the USS Yorktown to help transport an important vaccine to a nearby colony. And it's time sensitive because the vaccine has a, li- a limited shelf life. And that sounds all too familiar, doesn't it, <laughs> for right now? Um, the Enterprise tries to find the entity uh, using its sensors, but also sends down two search parties to look for it. And one of the search parties is attacked and security officer Garovic hesitates before shooting the gaseous form. So two of the other officers with him die. And Kirk hears of this, of his hesitation, and he relieves the officer of his duties. So that's important later on. Uh, Spock and Bones, they read the records of when Kirk last encountered this entity on the Farragut. And Bones confronts Kirk about seeming to be obsessed with finding this thing. Obsessed, I tell you. Uh, Mostly because Kirk is neglecting his duties and it's super important they get to the Yorktown to quickly get those vaccines for this colony. So apparently back in the day, Kirk did the same thing as this officer Garovic, and he hesitated before firing on the entity, and his whole crew and captain ended up dead because of it. So Kirk blames himself for their deaths, and he's now obsessed, obsessed with killing. (laughs) So while they're talking about this, uh, Chekhov lets them know that the gaseous form has left uh, the planet and is now traveling out into space. And this whole time, Spock doubts that this thing is even sentient, that it's even a real uh, thinking creature, um, and that Kirk must just be completely obsessed and crazy about this. So the Enterprise chases the entity into space, and they're going too fast for too long, so much so that Scotty is scared they will blow the ship apart. But Kirk finally allows them to slow down, but the creature actually turns to approach them. And this is when Spock and Bones realize that this must, in fact, be a sentient uh, enemy, an actual entity that can think for itself and a real threat. So they fire upon it with phasers and photon torpedoes, but it seems to have no effect. So the form passes through their shields and goes into the ship through the ventilation system, something that was made possible, apparently, because of Officer Garovic having a hissy fit in his cabin and throwing something against the wall, causing his vent to be wedged open or something. It was something like that. (laughs) That's what they imply. That's fair. Yeah. So Spock is attacked by it uh, as he's trying to protect Officer Garovic. But it turns out the creature can't hurt him because Spock's blood is based off of copper instead of iron like humans. So the the creature has no interest in him, basically. Uh, So Spock tells Kirk that he shouldn't feel guilty because even if he hadn't hesitated back in the day on the Farragut, if he had shot his phaser at the creature, it wouldn't wouldn't have done anything. So he's not guilty. It still would have been ineffective, James. Yes, ineffective, James. Uh, this causes Kirk to feel bad for putting uh, Officer Garovic uh, off duty, so he puts him back on duty and apologizes to him. And the creature finally leaves the ship, and Kirk believes it's heading back to the planet they originally found it on back in the Farragut. So he goes to that planet, and he and Garovic, the officer that he's now bonded with, they beam down to the planet and try to lure the creature in and destroy it with an antimatter bomb, which is pretty cool. Uh, the creature comes in to eat them, but they beam out just in time and blow it up with the antimatter bomb and probably destroy the planet that's on with it. But, you know, who cares? So that's the episode. What did you think of Obsession, Steve? Uh, so some things I like, some things I dislike. Things I liked was that it painted Kirk in a very different light than a lot of episodes. Mm. 
he was very much not in control, very much not himself. Um, and Kirk very purposefully never puts his crew in harm's way. But then after the two guys die and he goes to Bones and he's like, wake him up with like pump him with something and get him away. <laughs> yeah. and, and even Bones is like, I don't think that's a good idea, dude. And he's like, Damn it. <laughs> was like, oh, God, something's wrong with Kirk. Yeah. Like, just even that act was enough for me to go, oh, God, this is different. Mm-hmm. Um, It was and this is maybe a bigger leap even it makes me appreciate the 2009 Kirk a little bit more hmm. because Kirk in this timeline has had a lot of things happen to him before we see him as captain of the enterprise. Right. That's true. You know, he, he served and he had this terrible thing happen in at least a few places. And he was like on a home world that was massacred and like, he's been through some shit, but it's what gave him all the perspective that got him up to this point. And when we see Kelvin verse Kirk, it's a Kirk that doesn't have any of that. He's kind of privileged. Yeah, you're and right. And thrown into command without these experiences to shape it. That's very true. So if anything, it makes me appreciate the differences more between the two. Yeah, this is a more weathered Kirk and a more uh, probably more knowledge of the world than the Kelvin yeah, Kirk. Episodes like this just rem- remind you that, like, you know, Kirk is a seventh level D&D character. He's done some <laughs> stuff. That's true. By the time he's Admiral, he's like level 10, you know? He's yeah, but then he demotes himself back to two just because he doesn't want to be behind a desk. <laughs> That's right. No one chains down Kirk. <laughs> he puts baby in the corner. That's right. Um, things I disliked. Since when... They got to they get this continuity down. Since when the shit do they care about not picking stuff up with their hands? <laughs> so like, don't handle it, Captain. I'm like, there's so many times you guys just go down and pick things up and touch things. Maybe this is they finally learned. Maybe that's what this yeah. is. Yeah. Are you talking about when he grabs the, the weird metal with the clamp yeah, thing? Yeah, like right at the beginning. <laughs> I was like, come on. We care now? That's funny. Um, I didn't even think of that. I thought the... The the I'll say allegorical nature of the young the young red shirt mm-hmm. who who whose father died in the thing that Kirk had happened to him and he's like young Kirk that was just so thick too just forced so th- too for it was so thick that I couldn't enjoy it because <laughs> ah. um, I got it and then they just kept painting it on just painting it on and painting it on well I will say what would save that is that I I did put my notes I really liked that actor he did a really good job like I I liked his character and I I don't know I think he did a good job playing that role but you're right it was very forced and kind of no, on no, thick, no. But- and, and the the burden of the thickness is not on him right it's on his fault it's on how they <laughs> filmed it and how the camera lingered way too often and how it was written all right some tall tales to tell about your dad if you're interested yes captain I would be at <laughs> the end it's just like okay you're a all Vulcan right. son <laughs> um, but overall kind of a middle episode for me I think both of these pretty middling yeah pretty middling yeah yeah, I like I like the whole nurse chapel where she uh, uh uses the the tape to say that she the guy needs to eat, but she <laughs> faked this. it. Yeah, <laughs> that was it has one word on it. Eat <laughs> goes back in. Bones is like, "What's that?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm just applying psychology." I like that. <laughs> so some trivia for this episode: um, obsession, as you if you didn't get from the uh, watching the episode, is a Star Trekified version of Herman Melville's Moby Dick. So basically, we have Kirk obsessed with this white gaseous form as opposed to a white whale um you know it's kind of there moby dick goes through all all fiction in some way if someone's obsessed with searching for something and shows up very heavily again in star trek the next generation first contact ah 
You'll find out about if you listen to the Temporal Trek podcast. We talk about it for like two hours. We talk, <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. We get into the implications of the timeline. Oh, that's great. And all the guys that die at the beginning of the movie, they just don't talk about. <laughs> like we get into all of it. I'll have to rewatch it and then listen to the episode. Please do. Uh, so the ship which Kirk served on for his first deep space mission is disclosed to be the USS Farragut and was named after David Glasgow Farragut, a flag officer of the United States Navy during the American Civil War. He was the first rear admiral, first vice admiral, and first admiral in the United States Navy, and is credited for uttering the phrase, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead, and disregarding all danger while charging into enemy waters off the Alabama coast, which just sounded kind of cool. I like that little fact there. I didn't know who that person was, so that's fascinating. Hmm. Uh, The writer of this episode, Art Wallace, created and developed a story for the daytime soap opera Dark Shadows in 1966, uh, which Ah. featured vampires, uh, though Wallace was long gone from that series by the time they were introduced. So interesting that he that was going to be a Dark Shadows episode somehow. Weird. Uh, Apparently, for some reason, this is the only episode of the original series on Netflix that is not the remastered version, which you might have noticed when you watched it. Hmm. Um, I looked because I, so- I noticed it as soon as they backed out from the planets and they showed that the uh, Enterprise going by I'm like, oh, that's the old, old version of this episode. Um, so I looked around online and saw lots of Reddit threads about this back to 2013. People mentioning that they've been asking Netflix about this. Why is this episode not the remastered version? And Netflix never responds. Um, uh. And this episode does exist remastered because it's if you buy it on Amazon or rent it on Amazon, this is the remastered version. But they just don't have this episode on Netflix as remastered. So it's very weird. Um, so, yeah, it was the regular version, strangely enough. So that's uh, about the end of the trivia there. What are our Trek Ooh. connections, Muppet connections here this week? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Shatner released a Christmas album called Shatner Claus. Oh, God. <laughs> and the track for White Christmas featured Judy Collins. Nice. Uh, Leonard Nimoy once covered Judy's biggest hit, Both Sides Now. Mm. And one of Judy Collins' few acting roles was of Hattie McAbee on the 1994 series Christy. Also on this show was Star Trek Next Generation actor LeVar Burton. <laughs> nice. Bam. Trek connection. <laughs> let's talk some similarities this week. They're the same episode. I mean, let's be They're honest. basically the same. So we have the beginning. Uh, Judy Collins is shell shocked by the explosion in her dressing room, uh, just as Kirk and the ensign are shell shocked by the gas creature, so they can't fire upon it. Oh, yeah. Both people feature reminiscing Judy Collins and Leatherwing Bat about all the lost love, and Kirk about the cloud. <laughs> true, true. Uh, the captain keeps thinking he's right and causes problems on Swine Trek, just like Kirk causes problems by keep thinking he's uh... right on the Enterprise. That's right. Uh, Both feature obsessions. Kirk's obsession with this white whale and the old lady's obsession with getting that goddamn fly. (laughs) True. Uh, Similar to that, I have a horrifying creature swallows things whole. Uh, One being the old lady uh, and the gaseous creature uh, with his hemoglobin. So, yeah, they both swallow things whole. (laughs) And then last thing I have is uh, the Koob on planet Koosbane evolves and shifts forms just as the gaseous entity does on obsession the episode okay there you go <laughs> i like that Ooh, what is that <gasps> transporter <gasps> transporter malfunction all right here's the part of the show where we transport one character from one episode to the other episode and vice versa what you got for us steve 
this week, Trick and Muppets, I've got the gaseous creature coming over and replacing J.P. Gross lingering backstage, threatening to destroy the theater. <laughs> it's funny because I have the other way around. I have J.P. Gross taking the place <laughs> of the gaseous entity <laughs> because I want him like grumbling everywhere he goes and just destroying things for profit somehow. <laughs> Every planet he visits. All right. Uh, I for Muppets to Trek this week, I've got Link Hogthrob going over and taking the place of Kirk, uh, refusing to listen to anybody and just pushing buttons <laughs> and destroying things. And then saying, do you smell honey? <laughs> mm. just, <laughs> I have uh, I could um, go for some bacon. That's screwed up. <laughs> That's screwed up. That's cannibalism. Yeah. Uh, I have Uhura to take the place of Judy Collins. Because she bring more life to those songs, and she'd be a wonderful guest in the Muppets anyway. I wish they would have had her on at some point. She's one of the ones where I'm like, how did she not? I know, and she can sing so well, and she's. I think she would act the songs better and give them more passion, and and be comfortable around the Muppets because she's so loving and wonderful. Missed person. opportunity, yeah. Guys. Uhura, man, she she could have done it. So I guess that brings us to the end of episode 42 of the Muppet Trek podcast. Join us next time for the Muppet Show with special guest Don Knotts. And original series episode, Wolf in the Fold. And we have a special guest for that, Steve, don't we? Yes, a special guest, Louis Gaudio, brings his own show to the mix as we compare and contrast all three episodes. Our second guest on Muppet Trek, I believe. That's right. Join us to find out what show and have us confirm it's basically the same show as our show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds.